The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me today. I hope you had a great weekend. Um, It is Monday. We have a great week lined up. I'm super excited. So tonight we have my friend Craig Jardula, otherwise known as Pasta. Um, If I slip up and call him Pasta rather than Craig, um, don't be alarmed. It's just his nickname. (laughs) I often forget and and resort back to, uh, uh, you know, the little little cutesy nickname that we all have for him. Uh, Tuesday, tomorrow, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Uh, My friends Paula and Kendra are going to be on the show together. These are two women that I have been organizing with for Assange for years. They are amazing. Uh, Paula's from Boston. She runs the Boston group. Kendra's from Denver. Kendra's been on the show before. Uh, She runs the Denver group. And I'm so excited to have them both on the show at the same time. Um, Obviously, as I've been talking about, the Assange case is in a desperate situation with the two new court dates in February. Um, So we're going to be talking all things Assange, all the different activism that's going on, all the different rallies that are taking place and different ways that you can get involved as well. So I'm very excited for that. Wednesday uh, from Covert Action Magazine, Jeremy Kuzmarov is going to be here. He has a new book out about Bill Clinton and his warmongering. So I'm very excited to talk to Jeremy uh, about his new book. Thursday, our pal Kyle Anselm will be on. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, uh, in terms of foreign policy. Um, So Kyle will be here on Thursday with all kinds of bad news, as he always is, but we love him anyway. Uh, And Friday, I'm very excited. My friend Jesse Jett will be on the show. He has a new album out. He's been on the show. He's performed for us on the show before, um, but he has a new album out. Uh, over on Bandcamp. I think it's jessejet.bandcamp.com. Um, you can go check that out if you want prior to Friday, but he's going to be here on Friday uh, to talk about his new music and all of the things that have been inspiring him uh, over the past several months. So uh, very excited. Great show uh, all week long. So definitely tune in 5 p.m. Eastern right here on today's News Talk. And also, hey, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So of course, there's a whole heck of a lot of hypocrisy floating around social media. My favorite one, as always, my favorite, my very favorite is, of course, from the FBI. <laughs> it's so it's so absurd. The audacity that it takes to be the FBI and to even say his name is mind blowing to me. So they tweeted out this MLK day, the FBI honors one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement and reaffirms its commitment to Dr. King's legacy of fairness and equal justice for all reaffirms. Since when did y'all even believe in that to begin with? So what's interesting about this though today, and uh, I think it's hilarious. They got hit with a (laughs) community note. If you're not familiar with what community notes are um, since Elon Musk took over, uh, there is an opportunity for people to um, uh, submit, I guess, um, challenges to different posts. If there are posts with so-called misinformation or whatever, you can um, submit uh, information that that, that um, uh, kind of corrects that information or shows that it's wrong or um, whatever. Uh, and the FBI definitely got hit <laughs> with a community note, which makes me laugh. And the community note says, the FBI engaged in surveillance of King, attempted to discredit him, and used manipulation tactics to influence him to stop organizing. King's family believed the FBI was responsible for his death. They are responsible for his death. Don't come for me, allegedly. But actually, in a court of law, I think it was actually um, decided that the FBI was, in fact, responsible for his death. And not only are they responsible for his death... Um, They actually sent him a letter at one point trying to get him to commit suicide. (laughs) So the FBI tweeting about Martin Luther King on this day 
is maddening. It is, I mean, again, it's just the audacity that it takes um, to tweet some stuff like that out when you are the FBI is just interesting. Obviously, Joe Biden tweeted out about it, of course, as well. He said, from bridges to ballot boxes to pulpits and courthouses, Dr. King courageously stood for the sacred idea that embodies the soul of our America. We are all created equal in the image of God and deserve to be treated equally throughout our lives. I mean, this is a guy who he's was a segregationist and hung out with the like of David Duke and uh, a whole host of other awful people. I mean, President Biden has been uh, known for being a racist throughout the course of his life. He has, you know, tried to do the rebrand thing, um, you know, over the past several years. But he's, I mean, it's just, it's maddening. This is the kind of hypocrisy. Antony Blinken tweeted about him as well. Kamala Harris, of course, tweeted about him as well. Um, these are people who don't uphold any of the values that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for. Um, but I also want to just mention, too, that in addition to the hypocrisy from our elected officials um, who are talking about it, there's also a lot of people who are um, quoting him out of context and using his words to push their own personal political agenda. That's always a little frustrating to me to watch people like him be used in that way. Um, you know, to push agendas and things like that. Of course, it's that's what's always going to happen. But uh, I just I highly recommend. I mean, I'm not like a massive Martin Luther King sycophant or anything, but I think that the things that he said, his speeches, the words um, that he would speak are powerful. And I think it is definitely worth going and reading. Don't just take a, a, a Twitter quote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, a little quote from Twitter and, and decide who he was or what he stood for. Uh, I highly recommend going and reading um, all of his speeches in its entirety. Or if you can and find you can find videos of them or whatever, um, that's always uh, better. I think watching people speak is uh, much more powerful than just reading their words. Uh, but it is <laughs> it's definitely interesting when this day rolls around. The FBI tweets about it every year, y'all, every year without fail. It's amazing to me. The audacity. OK, uh, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There is a write up for the guests of the day every day so that you can find, follow and support their work as well. Well, and if you would like, shoot me an email, Misty Winston at TNTradio.live. Um, guest idea, show idea. I've gotten a couple of those in uh, recent days. Thank you for that. Um, or if you just have a question or a comment or whatever, uh, hit me up and I will try to get back to you. And while you're doing all of the emailing and subscribing and following and all of that stuff, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. So you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Here we go. Reportedly, the Pentagon is updating a key guideline for how it uses artificial intelligence. God, this stuff creeps me out because some people are actually worried. Ready? Worried that the U.S. military might be building killer robots in the basement. I don't even know if I want to know. Uh, here at this story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So, all right, Ruckus, anytime that a um, uh, an official has to come out and say, hey, we're not building killer robots in the basement, I'm that makes me concerned that they're building killer robots in the basement. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about this. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure if Hillary Clinton, for example, has her own website. But if she does, I'm guessing that nowhere on that website will be an official statement that says Mrs. Hillary Clinton does not eat babies 
or something like that <laughs> to that effect, right? We, we rarely see people having to come out and defend themselves against quote unquote conspiracy theories. But when the government makes an official statement against a conspiracy theory, it does lead one to start to believe said conspiracy theories. Now, doesn't it? Um, this is all according to one military official, by the way, who was speaking recently. That is one Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Michael Horowitz who apparently said that the Department of Defense leadership updated its directive titled Autonomy in Weapon Systems uh, due to a, quote, lot of confusion, end quote, about how the DOD hopes to use AI. Mr. Horowitz said that some ambiguity had led many outside the Pentagon to believe the military was, quote, maybe building killer robots in the basement, end quote. Right, because this is, I mean, I can't, I don't know about you, I walk outside the door and that's all I hear. People are like, hey, did you hear? They're, <laughs> they're building killer robots in the basement. Yeah, this is news to me. Uh, at the same time, some senior Pentagon leaders thought that the document was prohibiting the use of fully autonomous lethal systems. And we can't have that, apparently. Uh, according to Mr. Horowitz, neither of these assumptions are true. Uh, he said that the DOD aims to develop lethal autonomous systems following international law. Okay. During a January 9th talk at the Center for Strategic and International Studies think tank, Mr. Horowitz said, quote, just to be clear about that, the directive does not prohibit the development of any systems, end quote. Instead of banning or promoting the development of killer robots, Mr. Horowitz said the directive mandated a review process in which, quote, certain types of autonomous weapon systems, end quote, need to be screened by the most senior Pentagon officials. Well, I feel better already. Such reviews are likely to become increasingly common as the department moves forward with new initiatives in artificial intelligence and autonomous weapons, such as the Replicator Initiative, which was announced in August of 2023. That program aims to enhance U.S. military capabilities by increasing the production of thousands of cheap autonomous lethal drones and other capabilities to counter the numerical advantage of the Chinese military. Mr. Horowitz said, quote, replicator itself is about a process. It's about figuring out how we can field at speed and scale key capabilities that we view as important given the national defense strategy, end quote. Mr. Horowitz said that a key issue in developing autonomous lethal systems was not that whether or not we should do it, but rather the rapid innovation in software as opposed to hardware. Uh, much of the department's work, he said, was focused on the systems that weapons operate on rather than the weapons themselves. The effort, he added, is part of a suite of research and development priorities, including AI and autonomy, directed energy weapons, which don't exist, right, uh, and right. hypersonics. So, yeah, nothing to worry about, nothing to see here. Uh, sit down, shut up. Put your head in the sand, everybody. We've got this. You could trust us. What do you think, Misty? 
I'm terrified. <laughs> I am positively terrified by this story. Uh, yeah, listen, and just a quick aside, um, as we kind of giggled about at the beginning of the article here, the idea that they had to come out and um, defend themselves against these claims, as you said, it's rare that somebody has to come out and, um, you know, uh, knock down a conspiracy theory. My favorite example of that, and I, this is a throwback, I'm not even sure if people remember this, but uh, Christine O'Donnell, way back in the day, she was running for president, I think as a Republican, and people thought we're calling her a witch and she had to come out and literally say, I am not a witch. That makes me laugh. That was the best. That was so funny. Uh, but that, this is another one of those examples. I mean, uh, listen, I, we promise we're not building killer robots. We promise, guys. Uh, does anybody believe the Pentagon? No, I don't. I sure do not, uh, especially when it comes to stuff like this. I think not only are they probably building killer robots, they probably already have killer robots. In fact, we know they do. Drones, killer robots. Um, but yeah, this terrifies me. I think that... Um, uh, you know, and I love that they're using China as the excuse. And I also love that they're going to, um, you know, they say that uh, that certain types of uh, autonomous weapon systems need to be screened by the most senior Pentagon officials. So just like the cops investigating themselves, the Pentagon's going to screen itself. I think that's fine, right? That's totally cool. Uh, yeah, this stuff, AI terrifies me in general. I realize that it can can and could be used for good. Um, but there are lots of really not good people on planet Earth. And that is what is terrifying to me because the people who work in the Pentagon are some of those people uh, and they're the ones with the most access to it. So yeah, I don't like this at all. It's terrifying to me that they have this kind of capability and that it continues to grow and that they're continuing to build upon it. Um, and yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Adam, what do you think? Well, they keep they they keep going back to this concept that they're going to obey or follow international <laughs> law. So even if you don't trust what your own government is capable of telling you in this department, at least it's another unelected body of people that you don't even know about. You don't even know where they are somewhere in a tent somewhere, maybe in a cave. Who knows? Uh, yeah, probably living it up like a king somewhere in the Middle East. Um, yeah, this is crazy. I don't know. I don't trust any of these decisions being made by a select handful of people. Uh, of course, I don't want to scare anybody, but there's a good chance that it's not people making these decisions anymore. They've already turned the decisions over to the artificial intelligence. So now we have to wait to see if AI thinks using AI in autonomous weapon systems is a good idea or not. Sounds fun. That does not make me feel better, Adam. That does not make me feel better. And I, uh, you're right. The, the the their commitment to international human rights. And at the end of this article, there's another quote where they say, "quote Our commitment to international humanitarian law is ironclad. All weapon systems that we field, we believe, can comply with international human law." End quote. My God, when have we ever had any commitment to international human law ever in the history of ever? I mean, it is a joke that that is a thing that they're trying to pretend as if they have now or that they will ever have. Um, I mean, I can rattle off dozens of examples of the times where we have broken international humanitarian law uh, off the top of my head without even thinking, without even thinking. I can come up with numerous of examples. And so, yeah, the idea that now they're going to be creating um, uh, uh, all this uh, AI and weapon systems and all of this stuff that, um, you know, it's just it's a holy uh I, I, I'm out of words. I am genuinely out of words. It is a terrifying prospect. And as you said, these are unaccountable and unelected people who are making these decisions, who are, um, you know, overseeing this kind of stuff, who are making uh, uh, all of these calls and uh, examining this stuff. And, um, you know, it's just... It's insane. It is pure insanity. And I just... I feel like we're on a... Um, 
a runaway train kind of on the AI situation. I think we're so we're well past the point of no return now. Um, and I just don't know what the world looks with um, out of control AI use. And I think, honestly, frankly, they're already using it in so many different ways that we aren't even aware of. Um, uh, you know, the deep fake stuff is very good. I think that's very good. I think that we are all uh, very likely often getting deep fake um, types of stuff being directed at us. And this is I mean, now to have these. Um, you know, autonomous weapon systems and all of that stuff. It's just, and directed energy weapons, which you're right, they keep trying to say doesn't exist. Yeah, talk to Ray McGovern and Bill Binney about that. We'll see about that. Um, okay, so just terrifying. Thanks for bringing us this story, Adam. We will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be back with my pal, Craig Jardula, right after this here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right, our guest today is my dear friend Craig Jardula, also known as Pasta, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Craig is an incredible independent journalist and documentary filmmaker who co-hosts both The Convo Couch and To Hell and Back. Uh, you can also check him out on his own channel called Pasta To Go over on YouTube. Uh, he also has a recent film out called Lahaina on Fire, The Aftermath, which gave us a raw, it's really hard to watch, but I definitely recommend you watch it, uh, a raw and in-depth look at the wildfires in Maui and the aftermath that has followed. Um, he's also an election integrity expert who has traveled the globe to observe elections in various countries and has done a ton of valuable work exposing the corruption right here in U.S. elections, which obviously we are entering into uh, today, actually. So, Craig, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Misty. Yeah, of course. It's good to talk to you as always. And as I just mentioned, we are entering into the Iowa caucus starts today uh, that kicks off the uh, kind of election season. So um, you you are somebody that has done a tremendous amount of work exposing um, uh, the futility and the corruption in U.S. elections. What do you think? Uh, what, what are you looking at as we're heading into this election season? 
You know, it's interesting because when you look at caucuses, they're really the hardest thing to cheat because people got to show up and actually walk to one side of the room and do that whole nine yards, you know, kind of uh, participation. And does it doesn't really get a big turnout all the time, even with places like Iowa where, you know, in a snowstorm, people don't seem to drive right through it, not giving a damn. But, I mean, uh, it is the hardest part of an election to to, fr- uh, to have any fraud involved because it is, like I said, people showing up. Uh, but what I'm thinking about this election season is once we do get through this primary season, and I don't think it's going to be long. Obviously, there's not a primary going on on the Democratic side. Uh, we got one on the Republican side. I'm assuming that Trump will wrap it up pretty quickly, possibly after South Carolina. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard to uh, take it away from him in the primaries. But come the general election, a little bit different situation. Uh, some of the rules that were in place last time, uh, in which we saw a bunch of people go to the Capitol on January 6th. Let's not forget that January 6th was a Stop the Steal rally. Uh, I was going to try to talk, um, being an ex-Democrat that said the election system was uh, really, really bad and had a lot of things questionable about it. Uh, but when we do get through this primary season, I'm assuming we'll get right back to the general election. But here's the thing, Misty, a lot of those rules that they changed, those temporary rules they put in play unconstitutionally because only the state legislation can uh, can change the rules, not uh, Secretary of State, not a, an election official, and that's what happened last time. That's why Donald Trump really had a great claim, because they unconstitutionally changed these rules by mass mail-out ballots, extra days of counting, extra days of voting, who gets a mail-out ballot. Uh, a lot of those rules that were temporary are now permanent in a lot of those states that were very questionable, including Nevada, where I just left not too long ago, where they have automatic voter registration, which sounds good, but it's really, really bad, especially for a population that's not really energized and interested in elections. So now you have a lot of extra ballots out there. Uh, They have days of counting. They have ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is still legal in 27 states, I believe now. So what I'm looking at is more of the same, a lot of uh, fugaziness, a lot of uh, fraudulence, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this time out. You know, a lot of people are like, well, a lot of the Donald Trump people know. Yeah, but they haven't done anything to check the rules. And just like when it comes to, uh, let's say, the COVID-19, where I thought the biggest sin was the fact that they censored people and they didn't allow them to speak, I still think the fraudulent part of elections is not the people committing the fraud, but the system itself, which is the fraud. More the same, Misty. Yeah, 100%. And not only did they try to censor people in terms of COVID, they also tried, and I think, honestly, the big stink about January 6th and the whole, I think it was an obvious setup, and I think part of the reason why that they did it is because they wanted to make questioning elections a third rail issue that now, if you question elections, you are a terrorist, essentially. I mean, they've created this environment where um, uh, just by questioning, which is very interesting to me because prior to 2020, it was pretty common knowledge that our elections are garbage, right? I mean, it, it was it, it was a, yeah. a, a pretty uh, extensive conversation. And now post uh, January 6th, I feel like people are going to be um, uh, afraid to speak about the question, uh, the, 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 the way that our elections are. What do you think about that? I mean, you were you saw January 6th play out. You were on the ground as a journalist. Um, and it, I feel like that was really part of the reason why. And I, f- I think that it, moving into 2024, I think it's going to cause um, some hesitation on uh, people calling out election integrity now. It's interesting because, you know, I went there initially saying those people, those Trumpers, we need them because election integrity was always a progressive issue back in the days, right? When I started getting this game, it was mostly progressives 
that were so interested in election integrity because they understood in the grassroots on the ground in your constitu- uh, excuse me in your uh, congressional regions that you'll never get somebody in the office if you don't fix these elections. But after you know January after the Trump Biden election, excuse me. Um, People seem to care more about the results than the actual process itself. And, and you're right, Misty. The people who, who uh, coined the phrase, the big lie, they were the ones prior to that election, the majority of them complaining about it. You know, you got Liz Warren, yes. Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> all these people complaining about elections. Now, all of a sudden, they're good. It's almost like a lot of the people when it came to COVID, right? The, the pharmaceutical lobbyist was the number one enemy, but after this, this virus got into the air, they are now, the, the pharmaceutical companies are now benevolent. So it's just very, very odd. It's very, very crazy. But you're, you're absolutely right. They are trying to get people to not question it. But there's a lot of people out there. They're just not going to have it. And just think about it. All those people who are sitting in jail unjustly for January 6th, they were all election activists that day. People forget that. I'm glad you're reminding people out there that that's what the January 6th was all about, fair and free elections, something we don't have in the yeah. States. Yes. And it's so frustrating to me to watch um, the Trump derangement uh, syndrome take over so extensively that people are willing to watch fellow Americans be uh, charged and convicted with such ridiculous. I mean, it's such an overreach, the things that they've been charged with. Um, And listen, I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't necessarily agree with these people on everything, but I do know that what they are uh, in prison for is ridiculous. The idea that they have grandmothers in prison uh, for being at the Capitol building. Some of them didn't even enter into the building. They were just there. Uh, It's absurd. Absurd to me. And then you have somebody like Ray Epps, who very clearly was trying to incite people, who was very clearly trying to uh, entrap people. And he was successful in uh, various situations. Uh, That guy gets off with like a slap on the wrist, not even a slap on the wrist, really. And it's so watching that play out. And to me, it's so apparent. But I think that it just really, again, it speaks to, um, and as you just said, the, prior to 2020, um, you know, Democrats couldn't stop screaming about how our elections were, oh, Russia, Russia took over our elections. Our elections aren't fair. Donald Trump's an Ill- illegitimate president. And then suddenly when it goes the other way, it's just it's just the tribalism and the, the hypocrisy, the idea that if my team does it, it's fine. If the other team does it, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And the way that that is just completely um diseased our uh our our um i guess our politics in general it's not just on this issue it's on so many issues and it's just very frustrating to watch that play out so i do want to talk to you about um uh, foreign policy and the impact that's going to have on the elections we have to take a quick break and get some headlines hang tight we're going to be right back here on today's news talk this news just in tnt radio news ready go go for tnt this is james o'neill Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis, who brought charges against former President Donald Trump on election interference, claims allegations brought against her of having an improper romantic relationship with a prosecutor were made because they're black. A volcano in southwestern Iceland erupted for the second time in less than a month on Sunday, sending lava snaking toward a nearby community and setting at least one home on fire. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web, Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. All right. We're here with Craig Jardula. We're talking about uh, elections 2024, which the Iowa caucus kicks off 
today. Um, apparently, we're supposed to be getting results around, I think they said 845 local time. Um, uh, so keep an eye on that. Uh, not that it matters, y'all. But OK, let, let's talk about foreign policy and the impact it's going to have on uh, the election this year, because I think what's super interesting to me is that there was a recent poll that came out um, that I think showed uh, something like four in 10 Americans listed that as one of their top priorities. That never happens, Pasta. I mean, foreign policy is usually yeah. not even mentioned on people's uh, you know top list of concerns. And I think that because we're in a situation where there are so many different avenues of conflict, we have obviously Russia, Ukraine. Now there's the Middle East regional war that's about to kick off with Israel and Gaza. Um, Taiwan's been on the back burner for a very long time. We have, I mean, it, it, there's, there's stuff taking place all over the globe. And I think it's on the forefront of people's minds for maybe one of the first times ever in an election year. And uh, what impact do you think that that's going to have going into 2024? Obviously, with the Republicans kicking off, uh, you know, with Iowa tonight, I, I think that that's going to be an interesting, I think that's going to be interesting to watch that that kind of through line uh, as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, I really do think, though, Misty, that unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say fortunately, because it is just something me and T would go back and forth about, you know, my co-host from the Combo Couch, uh, sometimes why people are interested in foreign policy does make a difference, right? I still think that a lot of conservatives have gotten involved a little bit more and are more conscious about foreign policy because of the fiscal avenues, the fact that they could talk about, you know, all this money that's sent to Ukraine. I mean, in, in Hawaii, uh, as these people were just, you know, uh, left out in the cold, literally, uh, you know, the, the houses getting burnt down, you know, the government offered them $700. And what did most of them say? They're offering us $700, but they're still sending billions to Ukraine. So I think the fiscal part of it has really, really, really hit home. Uh, but a lot of people are starting to get, but I wish it would really, they would start moving their attention. And I think because there's not a hot war in Latin America and start to realize that there's so much migration all over the world. And this is something that Gaddafi had talked about. He said, if you remove me from office and Libya descends into chaos, the migration is going to be tenfold uh, into the European countries. And it was when it happened. You know, people started yeah. crossing out of Africa into Europe and, and whatnot. And it's what we see here on the southern border. And, like, a lot of people don't talk about it. As they go to vote in Iowa tonight, a lot of conservatives and, you know, Republicans in Iowa for their caucus Foreign policy has hit their radar, especially the fiscal part, but it hasn't hit their radar the way the border has, and they want some action done at the border. They scream about this open border, open border, open border, but just the way the foreign policy like Libya and Syria has affected the migration into Europe, what we do in Latin America, and we have bases down there, it's not just like we have a base, it's an occupation, Misty. It's what drives yeah. migration to the southern border. And I know our good friend RFK tried to do this whole thing when he spent a couple days there and he was saying, ah, you know, they're coming from Africa, China, whatnot. But if you still look at the statistics, it's still the same. The majority of these people are coming from Latin America, almost 80% plus every month. So if we were just to close our bases instead of thinking about closing the border, we would have a lot better results for migration coming it's, you know, to the southern border because it's the, the game is still the same, Misty. It's keep these countries as down as can be. You know, if we can keep them down and out and poor in a third world country, we can extract their resources for pennies on the dollar. We're seeing a lot of talk about this in the Congo, the way these kids are living in tents and whatnot. Well, they do the same thing in Latin America, just like in Guatemala. In Guatemala, they were one of the only few Latin American countries to vote in favor of Israel about uh, for a ceasefire uh, not too long ago. 
uh, and they're a client state since they're the revolution since they were removed since the United States removed their government, I believe in 1954, and that was all to steal their banana, the United Fruit Company. So we do the same thing. We keep the, the countries as stable as destabilized as possible. Keep them pouring out, extract their resources thrust major IMF loans on them, then steal their resources even more with the corporations, and then they come flocking to our door, and we start going, why are you coming in here? It's crazy. I wish the people in Iowa and the Republicans would get this message. Yes, 100%. And it's so frustrating. I've talked about this numerous times. It is so frustrating to me. And we do this not just on immigration, on a whole bunch of issues, but people don't ever want to talk about the root cause of things. They want to talk about things in a very superficial and uh, like surface level way. Oh, well, immigration's a problem. Okay, but why? We need to talk about the why. Why is immigration a problem? And what you just said is exactly right. We um, brutalize these countries. We throw these sanctions on them. We invade them. We occupy them. We steal their resources. We overthrow their governments. We install puppet dictators. Um, and then we leave them in a desperate situation where, listen, most people on planet Earth do not want to leave their homes. They do not. They do not want to leave their homes. They want to stay where they are. They want to stay where they where their family is, where they grew up, where they have roots, where they know the language. They want to stay where they are. Um, it, 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 you have to make somebody incredibly desperate for them to flee on these. I mean, these are very dangerous journeys that most of these people have to take, um, many of them with children. And it is just absurd to me that people are not able to make the connection between our foreign policy and the way that we handle those situations and immigration. And uh, I'm glad that you're talking about it. I'm glad. I hope that, you, like you just said, I hope that Republicans and conservatives get that message. I don't feel like they are. I don't know how exactly to make it make sense in their heads. I don't know how exactly we can get that message across to them because I feel like um, I think that they get it kind of, you know what I mean? Like they kind of understand the problem, but they're not looking past the superficial level and they're not looking at the why. Um, and there's just, as you just mentioned, there's so much that we've done in particular to Latin America. And you're right. It doesn't get talked about nearly enough um, because it's not a hot war. And because it's, I think because it's been going on for so long. And frankly, I think because most people in the United States look down their nose at those countries anyways. And so it's, um, uh, you know, we, we've always yeah. seen them as our backyard and things like that. So I just, I don't think people take it very seriously, but if you want to solve the situation at the border, you have to start talking about foreign policy, right? Absolutely. You have to close these bases. There's been a, some situation going on in Guatemala. In Guatemala, I just talked about, but just recently, our State Department, once again, worked with their insiders, their oligarchs, to keep the indigenous candidates off the ballots in Guatemala. They literally did not get on the ballot in Guatemala, and they were given fugazi reasons to why they were taken off the ballot. It's another form of election fraud, another form of election stealing. But the most, I would say, the, the most thorn in the side of the United States, the Western Empire in Guatemala, that president did get in. They're stopping him from swearing in today. Uh, when I was in Honduras and Ziomara Castro got in, Shortly right, right after that, when she was supposed to be inaugurated, the West was playing games and having their allies do stuff to block the inauguration in Congress over there in Honduras. They play this game all the time. And mm -hmm. it's very, very hard. It's, a, it's like a very unique dance those leaders have to play. For instance, in Honduras, Manuel Zelaya, Ziamara Castro's husband, who was the leader for many years, was cooed, was taken out of the country, you know, by plane, in his underwear at the middle of the night for pushing the, the empire too far. 
So these countries have to do the same thing. Anytime you have a progressive leader that gets in that's for the people, that, that leader has to watch their P's and Q's because the United States could coup them at any time. Now, the one thing about it is if they go too far too fast, uh, the people will have an uprising. So they like, like they lost Cuba many years ago, Venezuela, Nicaragua. The United States also has to be very careful the way they play their empire games. But you know what? They have the media. They have the oligarchs. They always seem to find a way, and right now it's looking very dark and grim in Guatemala. But people need to understand what's going on in Guatemala today affects what happens at the border tomorrow. Yes, 100%. And that's what's so frustrating is that people pretend as if, oh, it's Guatemala, it doesn't affect me. It absolutely does affect you. We are all connected in some way. And what we do um, in this country uh, directly affects the entire globe. That's just the reality of the situation. That's not me being like an American exceptionalist. That's just reality. The United States is an empire and it has um, a, a great deal of control and influence over the world. And we've seen that play out. And you're right. The situation in Guatemala absolutely plays a role um, uh, on what's what's happening at the border. And I just really wish that more uh, Republicans would be able to make connect those dots because I feel like they're they're close, but they're yeah. just not quite there yet. Um, OK, we got to take another quick break. Hang yeah, tight. Yeah. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. The U.S. National Anthem. It should go without saying that when it plays, U.S. athletes stand at attention, put their hand over their heart and sing. But remember the women's national soccer team in 2020 and then last year in New Zealand at the World Cup? Here's some examples of that. Now compare those disrespectful displays to this year's USA junior hockey team after they defeated the home team of Sweden to win the gold last weekend. The contrast is stunning, and the U.S. women's soccer team and the whole organization should be forever shamed. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Right. I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes. Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands. Roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. We are here with my pal, Pasa Jardula. Um, okay, my friend, I want to shift gears. I want to talk, which we've kind of touched on a, a little bit uh, over the course of this interview, but um, uh, you have done phenomenal work in Maui. Um, obviously, the situation there is still incredibly dire. It's not getting really any coverage whatsoever. I haven't seen anybody talking about it. 
um, in quite some time. Uh, so the wildfires that took place there some months ago uh, completely devastated the city of Lahaina. You went down there. You made um, a, a documentary film. Part one is already out. You can check that out on Pasta's YouTube channel. It's called Pasta To Go. Um, and then part two, I think, is due out anytime now, right? Absolutely. should be done probably by the end of the month, within the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited about releasing this next one, Misty. The first one was 30 days after the uh, fire. The second one was 100 days after the fire. Yeah. And it, it's the first one was really, I, I'm, it's really hard. Like, I highly recommend everybody go watch it, but it's really hard to watch. The way that these people, first of all, the impact of the initial devastation of dealing with the fires, surviving the fires, losing family members to the fires, losing their homes, all of that stuff. Watching the people, you can tell that they're entirely shell shocked. They are, um, uh, you know, just struggling to come to grips with, with with what even happened. But then watching the way that the government, both state, local, and federal, have pretty much completely just abandoned them and left them to their own devices is enraging. It makes me so angry, and that's honestly part of the heart, the reason why it's so hard to watch. Not only is it incredibly sad, um, but it just makes me so angry the way that we have treated the people of Lahaina um, uh, and left them, uh, we've, I mean, just, it, just kind of left them out hanging out to dry, right? Absolutely. You know, and, it, and it's so interesting. It cuts so deep. What's going on over there really, uh, it gets to the crux, gets to the actual core of uh, actually our isms. You know, I, I have my libertarian friends. I tell them all the time. I was like, okay, free market libertarians. What do we do in a situation like this? Close to six to seven, anywhere between six and seven thousand people have been misplaced. Houses burned down to the T. They haven't even gotten into some of those areas to even start cleaning up. Uh, things are so the you know the bureaucrats are tying everything against the, uh, up the bureaucracy, the red tape. You know it doesn't appear like the Army Corps of Engineers showed up. Um, you know we could talk about the whole you know actual situation itself, the fire itself, and how all the emergency services broke down. It was just a complete failure across the board where you know we haven't gotten answers for what had happened, and that's what's still going on. Uh, but in my film, I concentrated on the now. What are we doing now? What are these people facing yeah. now? What's going to happen to them now? And you're absolutely right, Misty. It is a shame. You know, I, I believe in collectivism when it comes to helping each other out. We're, you know, we're one species on one planet. We have limited resources we got to share. You know, we got to be neighborly. We got to take care of each other. And that's what we saw in Hawaii right out of the gate where the government failed, federal, state, local. Uh, the people picked each other up. The distribution set up from the people themselves. It was neighbors taking care of neighbors. Hollies, which yeah. are the white people like us, locals. Uh, I forgot the name of I think it's called the Hana, the, uh, the, the actual people from Hawaii. Uh, I mean, it was just amazing to see all these people get the resources together, set up these distribution centers, and take care of themselves. That was great. You know? And we went back there 100 days after. We understood that these emergency services, these distribution centers are going to start to close down. The government is only going to allow them to stay open for so long. Um, you know, in, in, in the movie, you might get a little bit look. It's also, too, it's very interesting, too, as well. It's so much about human beings, Misty. When people just get together and there's a disaster and they just get into emergency mode right away. Well, what happens yeah. 90 days down the road when money gets involved and people have different, you know, positions and one person wants to do that and the other person wants to do this? You also see a little bit of that in the movie. Not a lot because a lot of these people have put their differences aside uh, for a common goal and that's to take care of each other. But you do see, you know, a lot of people starting to, you know, kind of bite at each other's heads uh, because they just reacted so quickly and that stuff catches up. 
But right now, the biggest issue is housing. Where are we yeah. going to house these people? These Red Crosses and FEMA, these temporary stays, which these, these temporary stays at hotels are the worst living in the world. They pick you up and they move you every two weeks. Uh, they, you have to do it in several hours. Sometimes families or whole families, 10, 12 people, are waiting in the lobbies for hours until they can get checked in. They can come and inspect your room at any time, and you got to let them in. There are people that were staying in hotels, Misty, got thrown out for having rice cookers. So, I mean, right now, this whole emergency services, when it comes to the housing, is the biggest issue that they're dealing with right now. Because what do you do? As a uh, local government, as a you know community, as the county, are you going to force Airbnb owners to rent out yearly to you? I mean, it's it cuts into capitalism versus socialism versus what do we do? How do we handle it? There's so many different problems right now. Not to mention, there's also a suicide issue where a lot of people are starting to kill themselves in Maui because they got nothing left. They lost loved ones. They lost houses. They lost businesses. They lost everything, and there's a lot of people who are dealing with some serious trauma, and they're not finding a reason to move on. And that's another sad story that's happening in Lahaina. Yeah, I watched the uh, recent episode, was I guess probably about a month ago or so, episode that you did with Wyatt Reed, um, where you discussed the suicide uh, situation that's taking place. And that, I mean, that's just devastating to hear that these people have already gone through so much, and they are just left felt feeling so so desperate and alone and hopeless that they're resorting to uh, killing themselves. I mean, that is, that's, that's not an acceptable situation at all. And again, as you mentioned earlier, you know, here we are sending billions of dollars to Ukraine to fight an unwinnable proxy war against Russia. Here we are sending billions of dollars in addition to the billions of dollars we were already sending to Israel annually um, for them to commit a genocide. I mean, we have uh, military bases all across the globe. We have black sites all across the globe. We have plenty of money to blow people up for profit. Like, that's fine. There's never a question about how are we going to pay for that war? Never, Pasta. There is never any hand wringing uh -huh. over how are we going to pay for that bomb? But if you say, how, if you say, let's help the people of Lahaina, well, how are we going to pay for that? How are we going to pay for that? How about we stop blowing people up for profit and use that money to help the people of Lahaina? How about we do that? And it's just so maddening to yeah. me that we live in this country where that's acceptable, Pasta. Like, what is wrong with us? Seriously, what is wrong with us? You know, I, I, it, a lot of it has to do with empire education. A lot of it has to do with programming, yeah. right? They teach us as we're growing up in school, Misty, that we're when we go to these countries, we're like Captain America fighting for human decency and human rights. You know, so a lot of people get sold that. And if it doesn't happen in their backyard, uh, it, they don't pay attention to it. I mean, we have to have more people pay attention to it. We have to have get more people in the streets. We have to have more rallies. We have to figure out a way. Uh, I don't know if this is ever going to be the solution, but I know this much. We can't stop trying. If we stop, stop trying, and surely we're going to start dying. And, you know, we already are dying. I mean, how long until it comes to our doorstep and whatnot? Uh, you know, people get to drive around this country, get to, you know, have a go for Starbucks and whatnot. And they don't understand what it's like to have bombs being dropped on their heads or the threat of that. Uh, and I'm not wishing for that, but there's only a matter of time with how much chaos yes. we've caused out there that it's going to come home to our doorstep. You know what I'm saying? And I just wish we would just get it straight right now. If anything, just cut the funding across the board. But, you know, why I'm an election integrity activist is because if we don't have a fair election system, then we really don't have a democracy. That is the vessel for democracy. And if that is out of whack, then it's all out of whack. 
and and that's where we're at right now. You know, I mean, freedom of speech is out the window. You're a Julian Assange advocate. You know, I mean, once they jailed that guy, forget about it. It was open game on all of us. Gonzalo Lira, I mean, I'm not trying to compare him to Julian Assange by any means, you know, whatsoever, but the guy just died in a jail for being, you know, vocal about what he thought was going on in that Ukraine war. And uh, right now, people don't care. It's not on their radar. They're so consumed with putting food on the table and a roof over their head because they got everybody starving right now and fighting in the streets. Uh, But they'll go ahead and tell you that Joe Biden has cut inflation. The jobs are great. You know, guys like David Pakman out there, you should listen to them. Meanwhile, the homeless numbers are shooting through the roof, and we're all in this together, and we are in some serious trouble right now. If we don't change it, and we don't change it soon, not to mention World War III seems like it's on the way, Misty. You talked about Taiwan. Oh, man, both parties got a, got a thorn in their side to go to war with China. I can tell you that much. Yeah, no, and that's what's so frustrating is that I feel like we are being so easily distracted um, by the most, okay, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it, the most ridiculous stuff ever. I mean, we are out here arguing over pronouns while World War Three is about <laughs> to kick off. We're facing nuclear annihilation, and you all want to argue over pronouns. I don't have the patience for it anymore, Pasa, and I don't mean to say that trans issues are ridiculous. Trans issues are a legitimate issue. It needs to. We need to have a nuanced conversation about it. It needs to be discussed. There's no question about it. I'm not trying to diminish that, but I'm sorry. When we are facing World War Three and nuclear annihilation, I don't care if you want to be called he, her, she, them, they, zer, fay, mm-hmm. fair. I don't care. I do not care. Um, and I just don't have the mental capacity or the emotional bandwidth um, to invest any energy in that whatsoever when we are facing so many other issues. And that's what's so frustrating is that they're very easy. It's very easy for them. And they're very adept at, um, you know, showing us the shiny object over here so that we're not paying attention to the man behind the curtain. They do it across the board on so many issues. And that's why I tell, I try to tell people, and listen, I'm not smart. Like, I'm not, like, this is, to me, this is a very obvious statement. statement. On matters of war and Wall Street, there is one party. They are all owned and operated by the exact same people, and they're working towards the same agenda. All the other stuff, the abortion issues, the women's rights, the trans issues, the gay rights, all of that stuff, they use it because it's emotionally driven, and they can use that then to keep you fighting amongst yourselves so that they can continue to rape, pillage, and plunder. And that's what they're doing. And it's just so effective. I don't I don't know how to get people um, to see it and snap out of it. And it's just, it, I mean, the, the people of Lahaina, meanwhile, have been left with um, very little help, if any at all. As you said, they're helping each other uh, to what extent that they can. But mainstream media is not talking about Lahaina pasta. These are Americans. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? We got all the time in the yeah, world to yeah. talk about well, Zelensky. What, what the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, and the and those people that you're talking about. That's why I think it's so powerful, Misty. When you speak those words you just spoke, I really do because you know uh, when people say, "Oh, you know, it's okay to go to war with Vladimir Putin because he's anti-LGBT community," that's just crazy. That's bonkers. We're talking about death and destruction over here. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, so it's powerful when people like yourself speak up. And you're right about the people of Lahaina. You know, they are Americans. And they are left out in the cold. But, you know, all we can do is continue to talk about these issues, raise awareness as much as we can. You know, and, and like I said, when, it, when lefties like us are like, all right, we're done with this culture war issues, because that's all they do. They pivot to the culture war issues anytime. And they're really good at it because people fall for it. So I think we just got to continue to speak up, continue to speak of what's going on. I'm going to continue to go out to Maui. Uh, I was out there 30 days after, 100 days after. I plan to go on there. Uh, 
maybe 200 days after. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to continue to go out there and try to get as much information out there. It's a land grab. It might be done in a different way because it's obvious. Misty, uh, 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 they want these people gone. They're not giving them answers. They're not giving them help. They want them leaving. People are leaving and going to the mainland already. They wanted this area for quite some time, and it looked like they're going to get it, and they're going to do everything they can to get it. Yeah, 100%. And we talked about that the last time you were on, uh, the 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 whole the fire situation and the reasons for it and all of that stuff. And I think there's no question about it. It's absolutely a land grab. But um, OK, so uh, first of all, everybody should go check out Pasta on Twitter. His pinned tweet is um, a thread where he goes through some of his observations from his last visit um, to Lahaina. Um, so it's a 100 days out from the deadly fire. He goes through a whole host of his observations about housing and uh, the, the the fact that there's still no transparency. The mayor still isn't doing press conferences, all of that stuff. So that's from November. But at the end of that thread, he also has um, uh, a tweet where you can contribute to his work. As he just mentioned, he would like to go back again. He's got the second part of this documentary film coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks, probably. So um, if you can, I know I preach about this all the time. I don't apologize for it. If you can um, go and contribute to his work, we need to support independent media. If it weren't for people like Pasta, no information would be getting out from Lahaina. Nobody's talking about it. Mainstream media left this alone. Um, I mean, it was really fast how quickly uh, they walked away from this story. So we need people like Pasta who are going to go and be on the ground and talk to the people and get the real story. Um, so please go and contribute if you can. But I wanted to ask you, um, what, what, I mean, you were there, you talked to the people, what can we do for them? Other than just talking about it, um, what are some things that we can do to help the people of Lahaina? Well, there's still gifts and, gifts and goes and GoFundMe's and all that stuff online. So you can kind of go through Facebook posts or Instagram posts. I say go to Lahaina Strong. Lahaina Strong is one of the outlets. What they did was they hunkered down on the beach, Misty, and they demanded that the mayor do something for emergency housing. And they weren't going to leave the beach until it was done. They were putting up tents and whatnot. And they were actually using a loophole that says if you're fishing on the beach, you can stay overnight. So I would go to Lahaina Strong. they got a cool Instagram channel. Uh, rebuild Maui. There's all these other uh, different types of Instagrams. You can easily find them, see pictures where they're going on. If you want to donate directly to the people, please do so. But yes, you're, you're right about the first part. Share, 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 share. Uh, just get the information out as much as we can. It's going to be hard to get this back in the news. So many people are concentrating on Israel, Palestine, uh, rightfully so, as a ethnic cleansing and genocide is taking place right in front of our very own eyes. But we don't want to forget about these people, too, as well, because it's early for them. It's the bottom of the second in a nine-inning game to go for those people. So we have seven innings more to play, and it's going to play out in the courtrooms and the city councils and online. Uh, so we need to be able to, to get this information out there, and that's what everybody can do. Yeah, that's a great analogy. It is the second inning and they have a long way to go and they're really just uh they're really just starting this fight and they it's I mean it's going to be a fight. I mean it is they're, they're, which is horrific to say. They've already been through so much and the idea that they're now going to have to fight for their dignity and for their land and for um their lives is just so disgusting. They shouldn't have to go through that, but they are going to have to go through that. So, um uh you know, as Pasta said, go and contribute to some of those gives and goes or GoFundMe's or whatever. Uh it sucks that we even have to do that. They're should be uh they should have already been taken care of they're not going to be though it is going to be uh it's going to be incumbent upon us to take care of each other so um and definitely go check out pasta's work i cannot recommend the first part of the documentary uh enough it is really uh it's an you did a great job my friend um i can't wait to see part two so um everybody keep your eyes open for that it'll be out in coming weeks um uh but thank you so much for going <laughs> for actually going uh, and for talking to the people of Lahaina and getting their story out. Uh, like I said, if it weren't for independent journalists like yourself and others, there's been a, a couple other people who have gone 
uh, and done that work, I, we we wouldn't know anything about what's going on. It's really difficult to get that information out there. So keep talking about it. I know there's lots going on in the world, but keep talking about it, sharing the information, share Pasta's documentary, uh, share the work that he's doing, contribute if you're able to. Um, I mean, that's really the only thing that we can do to fight back against it. So Pasta, thanks so much for coming on the show, my friend. As always, you can check out uh, links for Pasta's work over on my Substack. You can follow him on Twitter at Yo Pasta. Um, a Y-O-P-A-S-T-A. Um, and then he's got uh, the convo pouch to Helen back and then also pasta to go on YouTube. So check out all of those. Um, and uh, yeah, my friend, it was good to talk to you. We will talk again soon. I will be back Thanks tomorrow with my dear friends, Paula and Kendra. I'm very excited for that show. Definitely tune in for that. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea is right after this right here on today's News Talk.